Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be understood as or considered a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Adam Childers, here with the podcast Briefly Legal, brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. Well, I'm here in the uh, the Crow's Nest in downtown Oklahoma City. Uh, the weather is starting to change just a little bit. College football is here, NFL football, State Fair beckons uh, with the uh, you know, uh, those corn dogs that are in my future. But uh, it also means that it's uh, it's time uh, that we get started on another podcast. And I'm excited about this one. It's a little bit of a departure from some of the topics that we've done in the past. But I think it's one that really is relevant to probably most everyone out there listening. We're going to be talking about the expungement of criminal records and whether that's uh, something that, uh, you know, calls out to you because in your past you had a, you know, a blemish, a, a run in with the law that left something on your record that, uh, you know, keeps you from having the, the car that you want, the job that you need or, or, uh, you know, just makes you worry that your loved ones might find you online and, and pass judgment on you. Or maybe you're one of those that uh, doesn't have any of those problems at all in your past, but maybe you own a business and during a time when it's you know difficult with a labor shortage to find the right people, you you know you've got a, a person you want to bring in, but you want to see and help them find a way to expunge the records so that you bring them into the workforce. There's any number of ways that this topic is going to be important to you, and that's why I'm happy to, to bring it to you. And, and I'm doing so with the able assistance of uh, one of our great associate attorneys here at the firm. Uh, her name is Amy Majway. Amy, say hello to everybody. Hello, beautiful listeners. Well, look at that. She's winning you over with compliments right out of the gate. <laughs> Um, you know, Amy is a fantastic attorney for a lot of different reasons, not only the the legal mind and acumen that she possesses, but I don't know that anyone who has ever crossed paths with her doesn't understand immediately her deep commitment to pro bono efforts and really helping to give a helping hand to those in the community that need it most. It's it's something that led her to become uh, the co-coordinator of our firm's pro bono committee, which is uh, something that's a lot to take on as an associate attorney, but really showcases her commitment to, you know, reaching out to the community around us. Amy joined the firm in 2018 after graduating from OCU Law School earlier that year, where she was named the OCU Law Outstanding Graduate of 2018. So needless to say, we're proud, very honored to have her here at the firm. She's a member of several of our different practice groups, including the firm's administrative and regulatory practice group, as well as the litigation and trial practice criminal defense, uh, compliance and investigation, and finally, securities, litigation, enforcement, and compliance practice groups. Uh, that means that she's uh, in demand and has a wide array of expertise. And as it relates to the topic we're going to talk about today, she has expunged numerous criminal records for individuals seeking professional licensure, and she's made appeals to the Oklahoma State Supreme Court and the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. So, 
even in a short amount of time. We're very proud of the accomplishments that Amy has racked up, and we're looking forward to seeing more of those in the future. So, Amy, as we transition now into the topic du jour today, that being the uh, expungement of records, um, you know, maybe expand a little bit on something that I laid the foundation for, which is your dedication to uh, to pro bono legal services. Tell us where that comes from. Yeah, thank you first for the opportunity to be here and for the compliments up front. I've always had a passion for poverty issues and for this idea sort of based on basic humanity that every person should be permitted to have a second chance at success. Not every person is born into the same circumstances and everyone makes mistakes. We're human beings. And so I think everyone should be presented with that opportunity to have a do over or to have their name cleared. So as it relates to expungements in particular, a lot of people have been charged of a crime, misdemeanor or felony, or have served their time for whatever offense they were convicted of many years previous in their lives, but have turned over a new leaf or are not defined by that one act as to who they are now, their work ethic, their capabilities. So having the opportunity and knowing about the opportunity to have an expungement might help them achieve other goals that they might have and break out from being defined by that one event. Absolutely. Well said. And what you just mentioned, that even something that happened years and years ago can kind of follow you is a nice transition into the first area that I wanted to talk to you about, which is what are the ways in which a criminal background, uh, a conviction that rests on your record, let's talk about what that can do to you in terms of your personal and professional life. What are some of those negative impacts that you see? In my pro bono experience, I've typically seen that happen with our lower income individuals, where it prevents them from gaining housing or it prevents them from gaining employment of any kind to try to get themselves out of their lower income situation. But it goes beyond that when you think of many employment opportunities in particular or opening businesses or things like that. So to try to cut down barriers on growing in your profession, expungements help you to achieve those goals. So for example, In Oklahoma, we have many licensing boards, and that's true throughout every state. But in Oklahoma, you have to apply for a license in order to be a nurse, in order to be a doctor, a psychologist, a lawyer, many, many professions. So on the applications, in order to get those business licenses or those those higher licenses in order to operate as a professional, you have to list every past transgression whether it was dismissed or not. So the expungement opportunity, if you achieve an expungement, alleviates the having to write that on your application and can more quickly help you achieve licensure. That's also true for businesses who might have a president or principal of the business who has a past record, and that business is trying to apply for some sort of new business licensure. For example, in Oklahoma, the ABLE Commission that governs Oklahoma's liquor laws and licensures, particularly in recent years where that's been changing um, and becoming a little more broad, more abilities for new types of licenses, 
businesses who might want to apply for that license have to identify oftentimes on the application, the president or principals of the business. And so if those individuals have past records, an expungement can help that licensure process because the ABLE Commission is certainly looking at that. So that is a tremendous amount of territory that you just covered there. I think even going into this, I I, I didn't realize kind of all the different areas that could impact on. I mean, I'm thinking about just like you said, open from everything from opening a business to just getting and maintaining your license, you're talking about a large number of people. And then that doesn't even touch on just those people who are just trying to get and keep a job. And that's where, as a labor and employment attorney, I'm used to receiving the phone calls from uh, clients saying, you know, this has shown up on the record. You know, what do we do? Is there any way around this, you know, we think they're a good egg, but, you know, what kind of precedent do we set? So to your point, it may be something that both sides of transaction want to see some outcome happen. But the question is, how do you get there, right? Correct. Yeah, we've had experiences here in the firm where we've had a client, a business client, who is wanting to bring in a family member or someone else that they know and trust for years in their lives to take over the business. But 30 years ago had some sort of charge on their record that may not reflect very well on the business if it were to become public knowledge. A pass like that is something that can be easily expunged through our statutory procedures. And so the company itself paid for the expungement process for that individual in order to open that person's, the door to that person to become the president of the company. Yeah. And you said it's easy to find. I mean, it's usually just a few keystrokes away and suddenly without any context, you know, you're, you're looking at something that you know, in cold light of day doesn't really probably describe the entire situation, but certainly paints you in a ne- in a negative light. So, well, let's talk then. You, you talked about statutory protections. So there is a, kind of a process in Oklahoma for this, but not everyone can get their records expunged, I suppose. So the, the question, I guess, next is, you know, who, who's eligible to even entertain doing this? So, yes, you're correct. Not everyone is eligible to get get an expungement, but I think more people are eligible than probably know. The statute is incredibly broad. There are 15 different categories of individuals who could be eligible for expungements, but those are delineated based off of varying factors. So definitely something if you think you might be eligible talk to legal counsel and see. But some of those factors that you might be considering are the time that has passed since you were charged with whatever the crime was, or the time that has passed since you've completed your sentencing requirements, as well as whether if you were charged of a misdemeanor or a nonviolent felony, you are more likely to be eligible for an expungement versus the statute doesn't provide for a violent felony to be expunged from someone's record. Other instances where you your charges were dismissed against you, you didn't even have to serve time or pay a fee. Even though they were dismissed, it still shows up on your record that you were charged with those. If it's been a year since those cases were dismissed, you would be eligible for an expungement. Other factors include 
if you had to pay a fine in response to whatever your charge or conviction was, if it was under $500 or over $500, that only changes not necessarily your eligibility, but how much time has passed since you paid that fine. So because it's very detailed on what the charge was, how much money you had to pay or not, uh, the outcome of the case and how much time has passed, it's really important to seek legal counsel to, to decide how best to proceed and if you're actually eligible. So if you're a person that can find a way into these 15 different categories, then that leads us, I guess, then to the process itself. So walk us through, obviously, each case carries with it different issues. But generally speaking, what would the process then be for someone who fell within one of those categories to get that expungement uh, administered? Once seeking legal counsel, uh, your attorney should file a petition with the county court in which you were charged or convicted, not necessarily where you're living now, but the originating county of the charge or conviction. And that petition would identify the statutory requirements that permit you to have the expungement. It basically just is very short and outlines those basic facts, what your charge was, when the charge occurred, whether you had to pay a fine or not, that you did or didn't pay the fine or served time, whatever the surrounding facts are. And then after filing that petition, the attorney then sends notice to all of the agencies or entities that have an interest in your background. So, for example, the prosecuting agency, the sheriff's department of that county, the police department of that county, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. Notice is sent that includes a proposed order granting your expungement, and so that agency has the opportunity to review it. They can sign and return approval of that order ahead of any hearing that is scheduled on the petition for expungement, or they could just not reply at all. But they have the opportunity, if they wish, to object or show up to any hearing that is scheduled I've never seen an objection. Usually, if any of these agencies have issued a response beyond just signing approval, it's to ask follow-up questions, make sure they have all of the accurate information to expunge the proper records. But they do have the opportunity to object. So then a couple of months after that point in time, because they're required to have 30 days notice before the hearing, so usually one to two months before, after filing the petition, you'll have a hearing before the judge where if there are no objections, then the judge usually grants that order. After the order is granted, notice of that order is then sent out to all those same agencies or entities to inform them the order was granted and to therefore expunge the records, which essentially expungement means all of your records are sealed. So no one can find those records outside of law enforcement personnel unless they seek leave of the court to do so. It almost has kind of a bankruptcy feel. It's like a meeting of the creditors and does anyone object and here's the plan. But obviously with different stakes uh, at the end of it. But it seems like it's a fairly standardized process, but I'm assuming it can be pretty complicated for someone who's not well-versed in criminal procedure and the court system. And, and there's obviously some costs associated with that, too. Talk to us about that. Sure. So I would estimate a cost of expungement, if you were to hire legal counsel, is anywhere between two to $3,000, depending on how complicated the situation is, 
whether any of the agencies require further communication beyond writing a letter, um, and then also what county it is, traveling to whichever county. If it's in a rural area, it's going to take a little bit more time. But that expense translates into taking all of the weight off of the individual seeking the expungement to try to navigate the the judicial system and the statutory requirements. So even if an expungement essentially is simple, you know, file a petition, no objection, get an expungement, there are still a lot of moving parts to get through each of those stages. So having an attorney walk through that process already have the contacts that they need to have uh, in order to further that expungement certainly makes the process a lot easier and more likely to succeed. A person without any legal experience trying to navigate the statutes and the court requirements might miss something that's really small in the procedural requirements that then might have them you know, not receive an order for expungement or have to start the entire process over again, extending the the length of time. And oftentimes the need for that expungement is immediate and delays are are not in your best interest. I take it that these these expungement actions have to be filed in the court in which the criminal conviction or or charges took place? Correct. Yes. Okay. Now, I know from talking with you that here at the firm, we, we do some pro bono legal services for those in need of expungement. But also do them for those who are, um, you know, have different resources and different needs on a pay method. Talk to me a little bit about kind of both sides of, of that coin. Yeah, so we do several pro bono expungements here, particularly for low-income individuals who have completed specialty court programs like the drug court program or mental health court program, who are trying from that success forward to gain housing or employment to get back on their feet. So we've done several of those. Uh, One of our attorneys here, Tim Sowecki, does a lot of that for for many low-income individuals in our community. Uh, In addition to that, many people who own businesses or are trying to get businesses, or as I mentioned earlier, are trying to apply for licensure for various professions, definitely can pay for the opportunity to have the expungement in order to alleviate the time or difficulty in achieving that employment licensure or or business license that they're trying to seek. Absolutely. And I was just thinking to myself earlier, I mentioned to you, I'll receive calls from clients wanting to hire someone, but having that be a barrier, I could foresee a situation in which the employer might want to advance funds or have some sort of bonus given to an individual to help get that paid, that expungement in place so that the employer doesn't set a bad precedent, but they get the employee that they want and they need. Um, So, I mean, there's a lot of creative ways out there that you could use this device that's allowed for by statute that could really clear up a lot of problems. Yeah, particularly right now with the labor shortage. If an employer finds the perfect person for the job, but 30 years ago they were convicted of some misdemeanor of a fine less than $500, if that employer thinks that person is perfect, it would be a great incentive to to offer uh, some sort of a loan or helping pay for the process to get that expungement quickly to get the perfect person in your business. And another example 
too might be under the statute if if a crime was convicted under your name but you were the victim of identity theft. Oh sure. You can get an expungement for that. So employers might be interested in that if they have someone that states, you know, hey, you might find this when you do a background check, but it wasn't me. I was the victim of identity theft. The employer, again, might want to offer that opportunity to help the person with expungement. I've had that exact situation come up before uh, with clients. And so I know uh, that that's, that's something that happens with some frequency, actually. Well, it, it's a fascinating area and one that obviously you know, it's it does you well to have somebody on your side who knows the system and knows where the nooks and crannies are. And certainly you and others within the firm uh, know that and do that on a regular basis. And we we truly appreciate it. So I want to turn before we, we close things out, uh, Amy, to my favorite part of every podcast, which is get to know that crow. And when it comes to you, I, I, I want to talk about I know you used to be a California girl. You were uh, out there for a long time, but you've been in the state a while, but it made me wonder, like, what what led you on this reverse scrapes of uh, wrath uh, <laughs> tour? Um, so tell everybody, how did you decide to, to visit our fair state and, and make it your home? After I graduated college at, at St. Mary's College in California, go Gales, uh, <laughs> I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life and wasn't prepared to enter graduate school, wasn't really prepared to enter any sort of employment. And so I decided I'm going to figure out how to be an adult. <laughs> so the best way I knew how, I closed my eyes and pointed at a map of the United States and my finger landed on Oklahoma. And I packed up all of my stuff and <laughs> moved out to Oklahoma <laughs> with the plan to just stay here for a year, figure out how to be an adult, and then go back to California and pursue some sort of a master's, figuring out what I was most passionate about. But here I am 14 years later. <laughs> That's amazing. I consider myself an Oklahoman now. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. And I also love that in order to uh, grow up, you decided to play a game of like <laughs> – Pin the tail on the donkey and figure out where you're going to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, U- U.S. Yeah. roulette. <laughs> uh, I, I, that's fantastic. Well, as as funny as that is, I also want to let our listeners learn a little bit more about your commitment to pro bono legal services. And I know there's something that you're particularly proud of, and that's the Oklahoma City Municipal Homeless Court that I think you played uh, a foundational role in. So, so tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, the Oklahoma City homeless court program, which we just decided to change the name to community court because we're trying to make it more broad and not just target homeless individuals, but also people who are at risk of homelessness. Um, It is the thing I am most proud of so far in my career and life. And I definitely did not do it alone. It was through a team of Many people at the municipal court, our police department, and several people in our Crow and Dunlevy firm as well, providing support along the way. But it is a program that provides people who are at risk of homelessness or are homeless to work on whatever they can in their lives to address the cause of whatever charge they received through the city to hopefully prevent a repeat offense and help them get back on their feet and out of homelessness. So we have a lot of people who are are committing crimes that are sort of due to homelessness, trespassing, 
public intoxication, things like that. And this really helps them address perhaps their addiction or their lack of housing and helps them connect with services and be more successful in their lives. And if successful in the program, then their charges are dismissed and all fines and fees suspended. So they owe nothing and it's not on their record, similar to an expungement, but in a different manner. That is fantastic. Breaking that cycle of poverty and crime that sometimes go hand in hand that uh, for no other reason than sometimes, as you said, necessity. And that, uh, uh, that that's a very worthwhile cause and something that not just a feather in your hat, but something to be incredibly proud of uh, at this point in your career or any point in, in a person's career to have had that kind of impact on the community. So um, congratulations and thank you for all thank that you. you do. Well, Amy, we sure are glad to have had the opportunity to sit down with you today and learn something new and really interesting about the law and a little bit different than past episodes. And that's what this podcast, Briefly Legal, is really all about. So, everyone, that's a wrap for today. We really do look forward, though, to bringing you more intriguing episodes and topics that we have lined up for you uh, this fall. Uh, We've been working hard to come up with a slate of uh, interesting topics in the future, and I'm really excited about some that we We've got to close out the year. Be sure to leave us a rating and or a review on the podcast app of your choice. And listen, if you've got a show idea for us, we just drop us a line at legal at crowdunlevy.com. We'd love to hear it and put it into action. Uh, we got a great email from a listener this week that uh, has put us down uh, a rabbit trail that we uh, look forward to pursuing. So thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Stay well, my friends, and we will catch you here next time on Briefly Legal.